When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Beautiful day today up where I am. I hope it is where you are, too. It is a great day. It's uh, it's nice to be in. I, how is this possible, by the way, that, that summer is almost over? So uh, we are going to be talking to Jerry Callahan in just a moment. First, uh, it, it it's interesting. Suddenly the world's in a good mood today because it looks like um, Donald Trump's um, rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma yesterday was not full. There were empty seats in his rally, so... That is good news if you're uh, somebody who's been obsessed with Donald Trump and this um, this uh, evil uh, straw man of uh, the apocalypse. If you're uh, if you've uh, your own uh, hysterical uh, notions and brainwaves have uh, elevated him to that position, that's a good thing for you. Because uh, it's and I'm I'm actually happy that I've seen some folks on on social media today who are celebrating, doing a little um, end zone dance, uh, spiking the football on Trump. Yeah, because it's TikTokers got together from around the world and uh, and, uh, and on other social media and they bought the tickets out so some Trump couldn't uh, fill the stadium or something. And, uh, and so they're all in a good mood now. So one, people who were once reputable folks who would never have asked for and have been deriding uh, in the political opposition for the last four years, saying that Trump worked with a foreign government to sway the election, you know, now we've got uh, essentially the Chinese government, which is TikTok, and Democrats, including AOC, who's been saying "Yay!" in great collaboration to uh, tamper with the election, and they're all for it. And I am, I am truly, actually, a little bit uh, happy in a sense that. That they're happy about it today. They're celebrating that, yay, we worked together. We showed them. 
we showed Trump that we couldn't that that we could work together organically and sabotage his his rally, which you would think that generally as a parent you wouldn't want your kids sabotaging public events, but everybody's thrown off this veneer of being um, mature adults now, and because it's Trump and because he makes mommy angry in between, you know, her, her taking, uh, you know, Percocets and whatever else she does to get her through the day, um, that it's a good thing. Yeah, you threw, that's right, you took out down the right statues. Good for you. I mean, usually that's uh, that's called criminality, but now, you know, you burned down, that's great. You've got half of uh, America right now celebrating the fact that middle class white kids a couple of weeks ago. Burnt down, um, burnt down business owned by working class black people, but yeah, no, it was for the movement. That's great. No, th- th- so that's not good. But this is a mental health crisis with the folks on the left. So, so they're having some fun today and they're enjoying it. And I think that's good because, um, at least for the mental health aspect, for a day. Now, I think it's very bad going forward. Because they were trying to do this in 2016, too. Remember, the day of the election, they were running up the score. They were walking all over the Trump people saying, you fools, ha, 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 ha. SNL was all about how stupid the Trump voters were and he was about to get destroyed. So I'm not saying he's going to win this time and their mental health is going to collapse. But um, I would just say this. It is foolish to make crowds the referendum on the presidential candidacy. It is foolish. And even though there's a small victory for this, because Trump only got this many tens of thousands of people, if you're using that as a barometer of his campaign, you're using the one certifiable strength that he has as a referendum. He doesn't have the economy anymore. He doesn't have the handling of the coronavirus. He certainly doesn't have the handling of the of the George Floyd death. There's a bunch of other things that that he that that he can't use to champion his uh, status as the as uh, the incumbent deserving to win re-election. But if you're making the contest all about crowds, good luck. It's a couple things you should know: the Trump people also have TikTok. And they're also determined. These are folks who are willing to drive, walk, wait overnight for three nights in a row. And this is not the forum that you want to be the contest. I just guarantee you. And if Trump somehow, they use social media, etc. to bolster his uh, rallies, you will hear about TikTok and its ties to the Chinese communists. And you will hear about how pernicious it was and... And the collaboration with the foreign government was not a good thing in all this. But, uh, and, and that's why I say that, that I felt a little bit happy today because they get to celebrate. Because really, since the election, they've just been horrible. Horrible and crying and hysterical. And it's been four years of this stuff. Where uh, usually if your guy or girl wins for president, you know, you get to celebrate and feel good about it. Trump people, Trump supporters, and I was a, I voted for Trump. I, I, my feeling was at that time that I, you just needed to beat Hillary, but I was happy when he won, and I couldn't believe it the next morning that it was unbelievable, and so I, you know, was going to express happiness. I started to, before Hillary voters were crying in the streets, 
people I worked with were literally, literally crying. So those of us who were Trump people never even got to celebrate a win, an unlikely, unbelievable win, because we had to then, you know, triage those people around us who were dancing on our graves eight hours earlier. We had to take care of them, hold their hands, resuscitate them, caress them, and emotionally heal them. You know, these ungrateful, poor sports, spoiled brats who would never have done the same for us, we had to, you know, hold their hands and be benevolent and and, and help them survive. And then, and, uh, and then when they started to get back to their feet, they then took back to SNL and started dissing Trump like he's an idiot. Meanwhile, they had ceded any right to to really diss anybody, having uh, having you know cast off any kind of uh, any kind of id um, strength because they were crying. So I don't know. My my words fail me again, isn't it? My pursuit. By the way, there is a. Uh, I do have a editorial in the Lowell Sun talking about a couple of police officers who have uh, fallen in the line of duty, and it's. Uh, I think it's worth reading. the The police have been horribly, horribly treated by elected leaders, by folks on the left, by the culture. This has just been horrible. The treatment of cops. So uh, feel free to go to lowellsun.com and read it. Maybe you'll get it for free. Maybe it's going to ask you to pay. Obviously, I'd appreciate if you. Grab a subscription. If you can't do it, then, uh, you know, grab a paper. Drive to Lowell, Massachusetts, which is a great city. It is a great city. It was. It had some tough times like every other city, but it's a great city with, with great people. All right. Enough of that stuff. You want to hear Jerry. So here we go. Oh, by the way, happy Father's Day to everybody. I got some awesome uh, shirts and stuff from my kids. It's already, it's not even 9 in the morning, and I've kind of got uh, chocolate cake, which is exactly what I need, right? Right? Um, and... Uh, breakfast and all this stuff and so my love my family they're great i've got four kids uh they are called sally james anson and cyril you know those last two names are kind of special boutique names which makes me a jerk i accept that fully um and thanks to my wife who's named alice it's a nice name isn't it all right feck oh all right feck see this is why i don't get paid guys all right here's jerry all right, I am thrilled to welcome Jerry Callahan. You know him from the Jerry Callahan Podcast. You can learn more about uh, Jerry at jerrycallahanpodcast.com. See him on Twitter. You probably know all about him already, uh, Jerry Callahan, and um, generally live streams Monday through Friday around 7.30ish in the morning, and uh, you can check that you know, usually on Facebook and on other things as well. So, Jerry, uh, I want to start out here with... Um, <laughs> With you mentioned it Thursday. Oh, by the way, hello, Jerry. How are you? Hello, Shattuck. What's going on? Congratulations. It's an honor to be on the Burn Barrel. Uh, you know, one of the first episodes. Of the, I'm, I'm kind of insulted I wasn't the first guest, but, you know, I'll settle for week one. You are in week one. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't front load the thing with all the great talent, Jerry. I had to make sure that people stayed for, you know, the headliners. Um, so anyway, I heard you talk about it yesterday about um, or two days ago about NBC News. NBC News, you know, works, it, it reaches out uh, to this uh, wacko group, lefty group in England called the Center for Counterfeit, I'm sorry, the Center for Countering Digital Hate. So you know that it's a legit organization. <laughs> and they uh, they work together and they decide, the Center for Digital Hate says, okay, you know what you should do? It, go to Google with this information we have that 
to let them ask them why they're giving advertising to white ring white right wing hate groups like uh, the Federalist. So the um, so the NBC reporter does that. Google, of course, panics uh, like yep. uh, wimps and uh, takes their funding away from the the Federalist and another another site. But Federalist is is the big one, and. It's what I love even more about the fact that this is all it took to shake down is that the reporter who did this, Adele Momoko Fraser, she was so pleased with the results that very, she very went, proud of herself. Oh yeah, she went on Twitter and she thanked the left wing group for their hard work and collaboration, Jerry. <laughs> for their co- well, I uh, I know you had Minahan here, but we lived through this on a small on a local level. But to me, and I talked about this the other day, and I don't think was I with the Turtle Boy. I don't think he cared. Colony didn't really care because it's not that sexy. Right now, we're talking about tearing down statues and burning books and, you know, canceling J.K. Rowling's. There's much mm-hmm. sexier stuff, but it is as disturbing as anything because Google, as we know, controls the world. And Google uh, is, you know, a fellow traveler with NBC. They're all populated by these crazy liberals, all of them. Every network except Fox, every uh, major newspaper, they're all uh, they all have one goal, and it's to bring down the evil orange man. If they have to bring down every statue in the country with them, they'll do it. And But it was disturbing because you said it right, man. NBC, the reporter, was very proud of herself. She got the Federalist canceled. I do think they messed with the wrong right-wing group because the Federalist has got a bunch of smart people there, a bunch of good writers who have real high profiles. They're on Fox. They're on Twitter. they got lots of followers, and they're not – you know, bomb tossers, it's not some crazy no. right-wing site. They can't – you could ask the NBC woman, you know, like whatever her name is. You could say, what did they do that offended you? What did they write? And she couldn't answer you. She said the – or Google said the comment section, which is absurd. The comment right. section of every website, as, as the Federalist guys, Sean Davis and the other Federalist people pointed out, the craziest comment section is YouTube, which is owned by Google. Right. And they're, they're monitoring other people's, they're canceling other websites or, or demonetizing them because of uh, their comment section and the crazy, com- I mean, go anywhere and look at comments. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and look I mean, at my Twitter feed. Look at your Twitter feed. Right. I mean, if you judge a site or a person on the comment section, it's absurd. It was just an excuse, uh, you know, a, a, it, it a was an rationale. Excuse. Yeah. Because they didn't find anything. They didn't find anything. So the, Google couldn't find a good reason why they had deplatformed them. So they said, yes, oh, it's in the comments. It's all that. Which is exactly what this whole, you know, Section 230 uh, argument has been about. It's just bullshit. But I've seen more and more of this, of media going, uh, using, usually generally with a third party, so that they can pretend that there's an organic news story happening, using it to shake down people. So... So that's why, and this is my uh, edit- the editorial today in the Sunday editorial in the uh, Lowell Sun, and maybe in the Herald too, uh, has to do with this. And I thought to myself, Jerry, uh, uh, you know, of all shocks, like where did where do, where have I seen this before? Who perfected this template? And of course, that brought me to you. And if you go to 2018, first of all, if people are not out there, people out there, if you're not in journalism, you don't use the ed board to shake down people. You don't use them to harass people. You don't use use it as an extortion arm. That's not what the what the editorial section for the paper is about. It's opinion analysis. You can be jerky in there, whatever you want, but you certainly don't say it would be a shame 
you know, if if the world found out that you were uh, that you were funding hate groups, and that's precisely what's happening now. It's not just her; it's happening a few in a few other places around the country. But that brought me back to 2018, where uh, you I don't know if you knew Jerry, but a, a popular morning radio show was targeted. I've heard. Yes, was targeted by the Boston Globe by a woman named Shirley Lung, who at one point had jumped over and was kind of the uh, de facto editorial page editor. But we all know the story. You talk about it. Kirk talks about it. Everybody talks about this. But I went back and I read some of the stuff that she wrote at the time, and it is astounding. It is astounding in plain sight. First, in February of 2018, she tweets, advertisers need to step up and take their money elsewhere until the culture changes regarding WEEI. What? It's, it's, it's incredible. And this is uh, an editorial page editor at the time, mm-hmm. also a columnist, a prominent, and, and Boston Magazine, which is a worthless rag, much like the Globe, Boston Magazine named her one of the power players, like the most yeah. powerful people <laughs> in Boston. And you know what the explanation was? She got the morning show canceled. <laughs> Essentially, she got all. So what she did was unethical by any standard. It is absolutely crossing the line. No self-respecting journalist would ever think anything uh, uh, differently. I mean, it, it's contemptible what she did. Yes. Any, and it's just not journalism. She is not an ethical person. She's no. a really, really, and a terrible journalist. And they, Boston Magazine commends her for it, honors her for it. That's how screwed up. You see, I don't get oh, offended by much. You know that. I don't get offended by a lot. The one thing that offends me every day is the people who think like the Boston Globe is a newspaper, is a, is a, you know, a place where journalism happens. It, that's, that's ship sailed years ago. Yes. It's a bunch of activists. It's a bunch of hard left Trump hating activists like Shirley Leung, who went to work trying to get well, bring the whole station down was her goal, yeah. but she wanted to get the you know the morning show canceled. That she worked with an activist, as you know, Bob Murchison, who hated us and harassed our advertisers for years. Our station buckled. They essentially got rid of Kirk Minahan, you know, slowly, mm-hmm. but and uh, then they got rid of me. They made a deal with the activist and the Globe to get rid of the morning show if they would just leave them alone, leave the advertisers alone. Yes. So that's what they did. As you know, you can't make a deal with the mob. You just can't. Even if the mob consists of journalists, alleged journalists, <laughs> like the reprehensible Shirley Leung, they're not going to say, oh, good deal, we'll go away. I mean, they, they will, the next chance they get, the next time anybody steps in it on, on EEI or any of the stations, on Anticup stations, she will go in for the kill because that's right. what she wants to do is put them out of business. The idea that we're not competitors is comical. We, we competed for advertising dollars every day. Oh, yes. And she she set uh, set out to destroy a competitor, and she's under the the guise of a journalist. You know, the, the anyone who I say I don't I wouldn't if anyone in my family like one of my kids bought the Globe, I would I would put them up for adoption. I would, <laughs> I mean the idea the idea that you're going to read it and treat it like a newspaper, it might as well be you know the 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 propaganda arm of the Biden campaign or whatever. It might as well be the nation or mother jones it's just a radical left they 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 don't same with nbc by the way everyone knows what nbc did is unethical and they're like so what they're trying to stop right wingers they're trying to bring down orange man that means it's okay well you say they might as well be an arm of the biden campaign but it's it's more existential than that the the boston globe 
worked with Elizabeth Warren to quote vet her on the Indian right. stuff. So they provided her, you know, with that tool. So when they ask people ask Liz Warren she about lying about being an Indian, she says, "Don't ask me." The Boston Globe independently right. did a <laughs> large report on it, and of course, I mean, the, the, it's another it's another collaboration, as it says. But people should also remember the best thing about I've been going through the forensics of the lung thing now that we're seeing it pop up more and more is that she would, with the editorial side of things, shake down advertisers, threaten the advertisers. You know, and once an advertiser would drop out or drop from the station, she would then report on that organically from the business pages of the paper saying, Correct. Guess what? Look at this. Somebody, you know, Acme Bank just dropped, you know, their advertising from the... And the best part, Tom, is at the same time, our boss, David Field, the CEO of Entercom, owned the station was writing checks to her boss, John Henry, <laughs> for tens of millions of dollars. And our boss, and I, this is something I'll never forgive him for, and I know God knows Kirk will never forgive him for, never, not for one minute, had our backs. Not for one minute said, these are my guys, you know, this is wrong. Call John Henry, call Linda Bazzuti, explain. You can't allow this woman to harass our advertisers and pretend she's doing journalism. It was a lie from the beginning. She's she's just a dishonest person. And so are most of the people at the Globe. They're not in it, you know, to, to get to the truth. They're not no. in it to do journalism. They're just not. But our guy, and we used to sit there every day and go, wait a second. We're not only giving John Henry tens of millions of dollars, the owner of the Globe. Yes. But, but we're supposed to Root, root, root for the home team. You know, <laughs> let's go Red Sox. I don't know if Kirk talked about this, but he got an internal memo the other day. Someone leaked it to him. And it's literally telling all the on-air people they have to start supporting the Red Sox because they're so mm. important. That's how desperate they are. The Red Sox are completely irrelevant right now. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to be watching. Nobody's going to be listening to this condensed season. There's zero interest. And they're so desperate. They're ordering their on-air people to uh, tout the socks and, and root on, and they will do it, by the way, because oh, of course. after what happened to us, everyone's walking on eggshells just hoping to keep their their phony baloney jobs. I mean, they're, 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 you know, some of them are good friends of mine, but they're going to talk about the Red Sox because they've been ordered to. And if they don't, they're going to get called in the boss's office and say, <laughs> we got to start telling everyone how wonderful the Red Sox are. So we're carrying, you know, John Henry's water at the same time John Henry's people are trying to get us fired, trying to Bring the station down. That's how crazy it was. Can you imagine being David Field, the CEO of Entercom, who ha who resents his hit morning show, his hit morning radio show with the huge quarter hour uh, share? You know, just wishing you guys could just have a good five share and just be quiet about the Red Sox. Just don't get noticed so that he can keep his deal going. That's got to be an interesting uh, feeling when the book comes out, knowing you're in trouble for being uh, for getting good ratings, which are causing uh, you know uh, Sam Kennedy headaches. Well, the last meeting Kirk and I had with uh, a couple of vice presidents or general manager of the state of the cluster and a vice president um, was he says we don't care about ratings. We got to stay out of trouble. We we you know we want to be more positive, and that's I knew it was over then because right. Kirk was never going to uh, be able to deal with that. Even though we could have gone back on the air, you know, Kirk and I have disagreed on this. We could have gone back on the air. They would have let us back on the air. It just wouldn't have lasted. I mean, right now, oh, geez, we no la I was laughing about it with Kirk the other day. Right now, we wouldn't go five minutes without them calling us in the office. And I mean, I couldn't say 
you know, Black Lives Matter is a radical Marxist organization. <laughs> you Jeez. couldn't say you, no. things, you know, you couldn't even, I mean, it, it, it'd be one of those places where you, if you made fun of looters, you know, you'd be in trouble like, uh, like like Dave Andelman, you'd be in trouble if you made fun of looters. It's right. got to that point. Oh, by the way, did you see uh, HDH said Andelman got in trouble for defending uh, police bu- brutality? Okay, that's a lie. Right. I mean, David and David Andelman should come on my podcast or yours tomorrow and say that is a bald faced lie. He did not. He did nothing wrong. Zero. No. And 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 they tried to ruin his life and they cost him his business. It's that was. It's not the most high-profile example of this madness, but it certainly is one of the most egregious. What happened to Dave Andelman is just bizarre. They should study it, you know, in, in, in social studies classes, but they never will. People are happy anytime a conservative gets canceled. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, again, if the Globe were honest, I mean, the Herald, I don't even know what they wrote, but if the Globe were honest and say this is just wrong. Take the guy's business away because right. he made fun of looters and doesn't think people should kneel. It was bizarre, beyond bizarre. It was in, insane. Yeah. Well, Dave's in the fallout shelter now, and uh, hopefully he'll come back up out of it when this uh, when this pat if this pat it recedes. Who the hell knows? And we have go- nothing else to do. He's lost all his businesses. <laughs> and so, um, back to this. Just if I just want people to hear just how venomous this is. This is from the editorial pages of the Boston Globe. This Shirley Lung writes about uh, the man we're talking to, Jerry Callahan. This week, I've been listening to WEEI just so I can track down its advertisers, dash, one by one. Then, then she goes on to list a handful of business who ran their commercial, who ran their commercials on the stations. And then she says, she gleefully, she says, but deflections are on the rise, especially after I contacted advertisers to explain themselves. On Tuesday, she writes, three more organizations, yada, yada, bank, and a couple more, cut ties with WEEI. And then... And then she says, um, for too long, EEI drove ratings by spewing hate and vitriol disguised as sports talk. Finally, some advertisers have had enough. Why have advertisers had enough, do you think? They've had enough because this- It's, it's so insane. And, and here's what drives me crazy and Kirk is like, other than the two of us and our producers, who are well, at least one of our producers, we're, we were fighting back as best we could. Nobody else was. I mean, literally the whole station, I'm like- I heard somebody talking about the Globe did a good job on this one day, and I called the program director. I said, "You, you have a guy on the air saying, the, you know, good things about the Globe and, and encouraging people to read it and buy it." At the same time, the Globe is trying to bring the whole station down. I mean, they were happy to get the morning show canceled, but they were would have been happier to see the whole station go country. That was their goal. <laughs> that was a major competitor for you know auto uh, car dealers. For restaurants, you know, for beer companies, this was a major competitor, and this duplicitous, diabolical person. And she had help. She there's another, I don't know if it was a tweet or a story where she talked about reporter. A reporter helped her like full time. They put a reporter and an editor yes. on the beat. This was their beat. Bring down EEI. And other than Kirk and I, and for the most part, people. I mean, I realized they don't want to get to have them turn to them next and try to get them uh, fired. But I mean, they were the enemy. There was no other way about around it. And when I would hear people sit there and, and they'd put like globe people on and during the game, I'm going, what are you doing during the Red Sox games? I mean, this is the enemy. They want to bring, uh, put us out of business. And it was only a c- couple of us who understood it was, it was a war and everyone else just kind of went about their business. It was very frustrating. <laughs> well, uh, and 
you know, the, the funny thing is, is that she does this. She uses this, the platform of the globe to harass these businesses. And she's fetid. Like you said, she's treated like a hero. She's on GBH with Jim and Marjorie. You know, and even when she's done, when Minahan, when Kirk's starting his own podcast, she she t- goes on the air there and says, I'm a little worried that he'll just be able to say whatever he wants in this podcast. <laughs> okay. Oh. Imagine that being able to say what you want. That's a journal. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's a quote unquote journalist. I mean, and, and she went, as you know, to your, I believe your alma mater and Kirk's went to Winchester High no. and spoke, oh, yes. spoke to all the right. students about journalism. It's incredible. It's like oh, it's like my. having every Jepsy Epstein go and talk about, you know, tutoring <laughs> young women or you know, mentoring kids. I mean, it's insane. I forgot this is the, about this that. Is the, the last person in the world who could speak about journalism was literally, you know, warping, poisoning young minds at your alma mater. <laughs> can't believe i forgot about that and imagine remember she has admitted frequently that she never listens to ei it's not a station she listens to unless she's listening for advertisers for the crusade but she doesn't listen to it but she's still afraid that some free speech will happen somewhere that she doesn't agree with so it still must be pleased even though it has nothing to do with her day you know her monday her nine to five has nothing to do with that sports station but that kind of speech just can't be happening somewhere and that is what we're seeing. Like today, that has manifested itself in what's going on now with the, the with Ulysses S. Grant statues being pushed down now, George Washington statues being pushed down now. I mean, this is a large. They've, they've, they've defaced Abe Lincoln. They defaced Winston Churchill. They've, they've now Grant and uh, and you know every, any uh, any other statue. The one thing, one statue that's safe is Lenin, the one in Seattle. That's been not been touched. They're not going to touch vladimir lenin but i don't care i moved on janik i'm, mo- I'm not blaming antifa are scum mm-hmm. black lives matter are radical violent radicals they're doing what they do we need names of politicians it, and again there's no journalism left if there were this would be the only story today i just tweeted this out there's one story it's which politicians are ordering the police to stand down mm. which mayors which police chiefs or commissioners are, are complicit in this? That's all that matters to me. I, I understand these Antifa people are scum. They're maggots. This is what they do. They're vandals. They don't believe in anything. They're vandals. They want anarchy. Who told the cops not to arrest them? Because in, when the cops do their job, you know, these people are arrested. They're defacing public property. They're right. doing, I mean, they're felons. They're, they're, they're making all the damage is, is in the thousands, hundreds, of, whatever. They're felons. So who's letting them get away with it? That's all I want to know. Yeah. I mean, we know in Boston, it's Marty Walsh, a crazy left-wing mayor who knows he's going to get challenged from the left in his next bid for re-election. So he's going to bow down before these radicals and, and excuse their behavior. It's his fault. He ordered the cops to stand down. We know Willie Gross, the commissioner of police, would much rather have gone out there and, and you know, cracked some heads and, and, and restored some order. But Mayor Walsh has let them blow off steam. We know who it is no, in no, 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 Seattle, Jerry, You're missing a big part there. But, but it's everywhere now. It's M- everywhere. Marty Walsh essentially gave Gross a dressing down for daring to have an illicit meeting. A meeting Imagine- with the friggin' attorney general. That's how insane this is. He's getting, he's getting excoriated by a number of public officials, including the attorney general of Massachusetts, an absolute radical who thinks... These riots and fires and arsons are good because they it's how forests grow. Right. <laughs> Our attorney general, a law enforcement official, that top one in the state, thought the fires of local business burning local businesses was a good idea. 
That's that's how. I mean, what else do you need to say other than the attorney general applauded looting and arson? Right. Well, and also just think of the great distortion that they're pushing and start with the attorney attorney general, Maura Healy. She, the moment Trump was elected, she created this 1-800 number for hate crimes. And, <laughs> you know, we were told that we would have follow-ups of convictions in these stories of these arrests that would happen subsequently. We got nothing. They got nothing. There was no spate of hate crimes. But it's that same propagandizing that she was part of either because she believes it or she's a Solinsky fan or just a, uh, a true Marxist. It, we were told that Trump was an especially malevolent force on par with Hitler, which is why why William Gross is not allowed to meet with, uh, you know, you know, Goebbels or whoever, whoever uh, William Barr is supposed to be in this situation. And that's that's the media and that's leftist politics who have created this this uh, binary thing that either you're on the good side or you're a Nazi. If you're a Republican, you're by default a Nazi. And, and I don't know how well, you undo that. Good. I don't know who said it. It was probably Thomas Sowell. He says all the real smart things, but conservatives think liberals are wrong. Liberals think conservatives are evil. That's the difference. And their tactics reflect that when you think about it. I mean, no conservative would ever tear down a statue. I mean, I had this argument with Minahan the other day, maybe after he talked to you, and he says, oh, the, the, the radicals are both sides. You know, the extremists are both sides. And I say, okay, Kurt, give me an example of an extremist on the right who is responsible for the current insanity the climate of, of carnage there isn't one i mean these boogaloo guys there's like one boogaloo guy out there and the, and the media is hoping to there'll right. be more but it's all from the left and it's yes. it's all from the you know the alinsky's the obamaites who want to uh be as extreme as possible and hope that their friends in the media will somehow blame it on trump or it'll be a reflection on trump we need a regime change because look at look what's happened under trump and I've said this, and you guys have talked about it. It's the the idea that you want change, you want to change things. These you know protesters, rioters, looters, whatever, demand change. Change what? Every city that they're destroying, the Democrats control. You know completely. They control everything. They control the school, the the, the media. You know academia. You know city councilors, governors, mayors, police chiefs. They control it all. And yet they're demanding change. I would love to see it. I'm with them on that. Let's change. Let's try something else. Jerry, there's a silver lining to all this stuff. And that is the more that conservatives talk with people in the black community, many of whom have conservative principles, the more uh, they're they're like... People are like-minded about several issues, including some of this uh, qualified immunity stuff, defunding police unions. You know, I just talked to Joyce Farabo Bowling, a very progressive uh, leader in in the black community in Boston, and she wants to defund the police unions. Like, Jesus, she could get together with Reagan Magazine, Reason Magazine, and Nick Gillespie, and they could... I mean, that's... Can we do do teachers unions next? Well, you never know. You never know. Can have school choice, and then maybe black kids can have a chance? Could you imagine that, Jerry? But those are very good... uh, Those are possibly productive conversations that hopefully could come down the line here. Jerry, before I let you go and uh, continue the rest of your Father's Day, I wanted to get your thoughts on... um, I can go first if you want, Jerry. And so any something that uh, both of our fathers have passed away. Mine in 2006. Yours, was it two years ago, 2018? 2015. 2015. Okay, wow. Um, four and a half. Four and a half. I'm sure you think about them every day. I know I think about mine yes. every day. Um, but uh, something they passed uh, down to you, something your dad passed down to you, whether it's um, you know, a characteristic or advice or whatever, anything that jumps out. 
Uh, you don't have time. I mean, we literally, I could do, you know, two, three hours. It's, you know, we used to talk about this. Kirk and I say we're going to do a father's, just do a whole show about our fathers on Father's Day and what they meant to us. And we could just, right. I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but I could do my, the eulogy for my father, like right now off the top of my head. Because wow. I, I, I had the greatest father, as my brother always says, can you imagine how screwed up we'd be if we didn't have great parents? Because hmm. I was lucky. I had privilege, not white privilege. I had two parent privilege. I had two great parents. My father was the greatest example in every way. I mean, you say anything passed down. I mean, if if I'm one tenth the man he was, I'd be a huge success. Or uh, I, I always, uh, you know, some of the things that I mentioned was like, I mean, he's from a different generation. He would be disgusted today. He is rolling in his grave watching what's happened to his country, to his flag, you know, to these, to history. He was a huge history buff. He'd be nauseated right now. I mean, he's a, you know, a Kennedy Democrat who completely right. flipped and was to the right of me because he, he had his eyes wide open and he was very, very smart. But he never complained. I mean, about anything. I mean, my whole life, I don't remember hearing him say, I got a headache or, you know, yeah. whatever. My toe hurts. Never, ever, never missed a day of work never complained about a damn thing. And what he did was he knew what mattered and what didn't. He had the best sense of what mattered and what didn't. I mean, he complained about the Red Sox, but that was right. just, you know, for the fun of it, that's what you do. But he never complained about anything meaningful. And and he grew up hard, man. He grew up hard. And uh, his mother died when he was nine. And, Oof. you know, he, he just had a – his father was a cop, actually, in Boston, but he was older and he was n not – not always there for him. My father's very young. He's one of those mistakes, but yeah. he knew what mattered, what didn't he, you know, he cared about, you know, family and his, his church and he cared about, you know, his kids and grandkids and didn't give a damn about things that don't matter. Like, you know, his short game when he played golf, he wasn't a great golfer, but it didn't matter. You know, he wouldn't lose his mind. Like I do about meaningless <laughs> things. Hey, well, the, I, let me ask you when you, a couple of times in your career in the, in the, public way you stepped in it uh did you ever go to him for advice then i don't think so i mean i i think i talked to him about everything i mean yeah, yeah i talked to him but he would we were generally on the same page and you know my father was proud as hell that i you know graduated from college that was the goal graduating college when i became you know when i made some money and became you know mildly you know well known in the area that was just you know you know, mind-boggling to him, but he was just happy I had a <laughs> so good it, wife and 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 a good and a good steady paycheck. So he was from that generation. As oh, long yeah. as he had a good steady paycheck and health insurance, I mean, he worked at Raytheon for forty years. Oh man! And the idea that he would you know ever look around and you know, leave, I mean, he had health insurance, yep. he had you know retirement benefits, and he was good. That was good. Yeah, I, I remember one time when I was twenty years old, I worked in this uh, hotel, and they had so much work for us. The recession was just ending. That uh, one time I worked like ninety-seven hours in one week, and I and I was just dead, physically dead. And I talked to my dad, and I said, "God, I worked seventy hours this week." And he said, "Great, that's fantastic. That's a hell of a company." And I was like, "Jesus, man!" So, what would your dad dad have done if sixteen-year-old Jerry Callahan comes home and said, "Dad, because of uh, the social situation in the country, I threw a uh, I threw a, a water bottle bottle full of piss at the police." Uh, <laughs> I, I once I once called the police fuzz because I heard it on the, the mod squad. I think I was like eight or nine. 
and he smacked me on the side of the head. And I wanted to go, you know, say that, you know, you show some respect. I don't know if you're old. You're probably not even old enough to remember fuzz. That was one of the, yeah. Before, before pigs, you know, before yeah. pigs, they called them the fuzz. Right after the heat was the fuzz. It wasn't as disparaging as the pigs. And now yeah. everyone will be calling them the pigs. Cause that's what you do. You hate cops. If you're, you know, cool nowadays, you got to defund the police and destroy the police. But he was a huge defender, proponent of the police. And I'm, I used to want to be a policeman. You know, you want to be like your grandfather. And uh, But I said something about the fuzz. Oh, look, it's the fuzz. And he whacked me. Said, Don't ever say that. <laughs> but this ring right here, this is Northeastern class of 58. This is the oh, ring really? Used to, yeah, I got the indentation. You can read it right here. Northeastern class of 58, if you look close. Fathers have a good way of correcting you with lightning quick speed just nanoseconds after you finished the last word in the forbidden sentence. You know, I, I, I once told my mother um, to shut up in the kitchen. And and then I remember just look at being at floor level, looking at the floor and hearing ringing, <laughs> ringing in my ears, having been down for a few seconds. I don't know how I how it happened, but my dad was standing over me, and that was the end of my telling my mother to shut up career. But I also had uh, my my father was a, was into petty thievery, and I have gotten that from him. We used to go to Red, the Fenway on, on like the watch day, like in 1983, we'd get a little fake Casio watch, and he'd send yeah. me back to all the gates to say that I didn't get one, so I'd have like 18 watches, and I've taken that uh, petty thievery. Uh, he liked to get one over on the man, so he was a big stealer of hotel stuff, too. I realize wow. this isn't honorable, but I have uh, I have learned how to uh, to steal from hotel. Just We're just talking soap, Jerry. It's small things, okay? My father was the opposite. He once was cleaning the cellar, and there was these teacups, uh, ceramic, and they were from the Chinese restaurant that was in town, Hong Kong. Yeah. And uh, he came up and said, who, who took these? And my sister did. Oh. It was like, so what? And he said, you go bring them back. And he, she had to bring back the, the teacups from the Chinese restaurant because there's only like two or three, I think, maybe a plate too. But yeah, he said, bring those back. And she did. She had to. And yeah, I think that's called having honor, actually, which is uh, something your dad had apparently. Which I, I always say that the, the most honorable thing, he had a handicapped uh, uh, placard. Because my mother was handicapped at the end. She had everything wrong. She was in a wheelchair. So we had a handicapped placard. And I'm with him one day when we're like stopping at Dunkin' Donuts. And I say, hey, you can park in the handicap. No, you can't do that. I go, why not? You got the things. He says, that wouldn't be right. You know, we park like half a mile away because he didn't want to take. And it would have been legal, I think, even though my mother wasn't in the car. Yeah. He wouldn't do it. Unless my mother was in the car, he wouldn't do it. Wow! Wow! How often? I like, still have I still have the placard. Believe me, I'm thinking of using it. Go on eBay, Jerry. There's quite a good uh, market for that. How often was your dad like Reamer's dad uh, out smoking weed as you were going to bed? <laughs> <laughs> I, I say this all the time. I made my father a drink a thousand times. I very rarely made him a second. If I made him a second one, yeah. it was because I forced it on him. Like if he knew he wasn't driving, it was a birthday or. I'd, Otherwise, he would never, he used to, I, and I didn't inherit that. He could have yeah. one drink and say, I'm good. I'm good. I'd be like, really? So I never saw him drunk, never in my life. Wow. Jesus. All right, Jerry, I'm going to let you get back to your Father's Day up in your, um, Do you, you don't have a boat, right? You're just on the water. I do not have a boat. I, have a, I just was out my paddleboard, though. Does that count? Oh, uh, yeah. I have a paddleboard, kayaks. I've had a boat. Do you wear it's like a spandex wetsuit? With your paddle? No, no, no wetsuit. Okay. No, 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 no. I don't fall off too often, so I don't go in the water. But no, boats. I had a boat for a couple of years. Yeah. It was, I spent every weekend like in the shop 
fixing something. It was just nonstop maintenance. And I said, never. I got a few friends with boats. That's much, much better. Yeah, that is absolutely better. All right. You can get them at the Jerry Callahan podcast, the Jerry Callahan podcast.com. You'll see him on Twitter and Jerry Callahan and all that stuff. Jerry, happy Father's Day. You too, Shattuck. Have a good one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details